Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to, the good ple- to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ." both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The grass withers, the flower falls but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for these wonderful words that you granted unto us to hear read today, that you put into the heart and onto the pen of the Apostle Paul. We pray, O Lord, that they would even more importantly be written into our hearts today that these things would be planted like seed into our hearts, that we would understand the greatness of your grace and glory in Christ. And we thank you also that you have granted unto us the Holy Spirit, who is here, who is with us, who abides with us, sent by the Father and the Son, as we said. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work uh, do that spiritual heart surgery that, surgery that we need. Uh, grant unto us the ability to submit to and hear and receive the grace and be changed to be made more like Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would change us from glory to glory into the image of Christ through your word. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, When I mention the word inheritance, what comes to mind? What is an inheritance? What do you think of? 
inheritance. Well, negatively, have you ever heard the statement, you've never really known a person until you divided an inheritance with him? If you don't know what I mean, ask me about that. I have some good examples for those, but I won't go into those. What is an inheritance? Someone leaves something to somebody else. Pretty simple, right? Well, in our passage, we're, we're reading about, and the, the word inheritance pops up again and again. Positively, the purpose of an inheritance is to give a future and a hope for somebody else. It's to pass on something to somebody else so that they can use it, hopefully for the glory of God. Do you know that in many ways, this is your inheritance? While we're reading the New Testament, right? What is the New Testament? What's the Old Testament? What's the Testament? Have you ever heard of the last will and testament? This is God's inheritance to you. Do you appreciate it? Do you read it? Does it guide your life? Do you look for Jesus? Do you speak? Is this part of the conversation you have every day with God? He speaks to us through his word, and you speak back through prayer? This is a great, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, inheritance that you have. Do you appreciate it? I pray to God that you do. My uh, main point is there in the bulletin in the outline. Our Lord Jesus Christ declared to the Apostle Paul that he was sent to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What is this inheritance that God promised to give? What must you do to qualify to receive it? How is the Holy Spirit involved in this great gift of love? Paul answers these questions in our text today. And so as Paul is writing, what he is doing in this letter, he's writing to the Ephesians church that he's been ministering amongst for three years and then is now in prison, possibly, probably, and he's not able to be there and minister to the saints. And so he writes this letter to continue on uh, ministering them. And one of the things that he's doing is, is when you look at chapter 4, verse 1, you find he says, therefore, and from that point on, he begins to talk about how do you walk? How do you apply? Uh, so I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling where which you're called. So what he's doing now in chapters 1 through 3 is, well, what is the calling that you've been called? And he spends three chapters describing what is to be in Christ. Did you notice how many times as we read that passage, in him, in Christ, in the beloved, in him? Do you see? Did you catch that? I tried to emphasize it when I was reading it. Is that key for Paul? And yes, he, he actually uses that phrase 67 times in the New Testament. So it's important to him. Is it should be important to us? If you're not in Christ, where are you? In Adam... In the kingdom of darkness, dead. You understand that? So all mankind is are either in Adam, we're all born in Adam, we're all born dead, or in Christ. 
And so Paul says this is important. Okay, so he's talking about motivating us to godly living because of who we are in him and what he intends for us. The reason that I live and move and have my being is for the glory of God. Okay, there's the sermon right there in one sense. Why are you here on earth? Are you here on earth for yourself? That's what man says. It's all about me. Or are you here on earth for God's glory and the glory of his grace, as Paul says? And I would argue the latter. So he has created us. He sustains us. He has redeemed us for his purpose and glory. And the question is, do you know him? In other words, are you living in relationship with him, with that being the goal of your life? We talked about that. What's the goal of doing anything? It's the glory of God. It's the revelation of God. It's a revelation of his grace. Is that your goal in life? Is that your goal for being here? Why are you here right now? Is it for the glory of God? Or is it for some other selfish purposes? Examine yourself. So the three points in the sermon, one is grace, two is faith, three is love. Okay, So we're focusing on grace right now. Do you know what God has done for you? And do you appreciate it? Okay. This passage speaks of the blessed triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship and serve him. And he has determined, amazingly, he has determined to bless his creation, his masterpiece. You understand that? That everything you see around you, everything you experience, everything that there is, is part of the masterpiece of God. Paul writes in Philippians, we are his work of art, his poema in the Greek, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. You ever think of yourself as a masterpiece? That God is the greatest artist that ever will be is working in you and shaping and molding you. He's the potter and you're the clay and he's working the greatest work of art in the world, each one of us. And all of creation reflects that too as well. You ever stop and say, thank you, God, for allowing me to see your masterpiece, to hear your masterpiece, to smell your masterpiece, to touch your masterpiece. He's working all things together for his glory. We are his work of art. When did, the, when did God start working with that work of art? According to Paul, from before the beginning. Look at that. Blessed be the God, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So when did Christ start working with you? Or when did the Father start working with you? Before you existed. Before there was anything. He determined your purpose your existence. He chose you in Christ, those who are in Christ. Before, in the beginning, 
He foreordains whatever comes to pass according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism for his own glory. In our catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, in question number 26, speaking of the Father, it says, Why do you, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who of nothing made heaven and earth with all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ, his Son, my God and my Father, in whom I so trust as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and further, that whatever evil he sends upon me in this valley of tears, he will turn to my good, for he is able to do it, being Almighty God, and willing also, being a faithful Father. So God is working all things together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So God here in the text chose those in Christ. He predestined, notice that, that statement there. He predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. But notice how I read it. It's better to say translate it this way, in love having predestined us. The commas and the periods are not inspired. They were added by the translator. In love, predestination, God loved us before time. Romans chapter 8, if you want to look that up. In love, he predestined, he adopted, he made acceptable. Is that important for us to know that? To understand that the Father from all eternity has a purpose for you. He created you. He loved you. The Son, again, those phrases, in him, we are redeemed. He has bestowed grace upon us. He has revealed his will. He's gathered together individuals into the family of God. He gave the inheritance. How do you know you have an inheritance? Because he's given us the down payment. What's the down payment? The Holy Spirit. Can you think of a better down payment? The person of God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling with us. Do you understand how precious that is? That the Holy Spirit chooses to dwell with you and me? How often do we grieve the Spirit by our sin, and yet he still is with us? Do you ever, do you ever say, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, please forgive me for grieving you? Do you ever say that? Should you? Yes, he is a person. He can be grieved. And that's who we're focusing on today is the Holy Spirit. So again in our text, notice what he says. In verse 11, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you know these things? Let me, so here's the application. Do you meditate ever? Do you ever stop and just think about that? you ever talk to God and say, thank you, Father, for loving me from eternity? 
Thank you, Jesus. Greater love is no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, but he laid down his life for his enemies. We were his enemies. He laid down his life for his enemies, making us his friends. You ever say thank you? Thank you that I am adopted. My identity is God is my father, and I can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit has been given me. Do you ever say thank you for that? Do you ever meditate on, again, like I said, the abiding work of the Holy Spirit? That's what Paul is uh, motivating us by focusing on what we have. Second point. Are you in the line of faith? Well, here's a good question. What is the purpose of your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's the purpose of God giving you faith? Well, it's so that I be saved. Is that the purpose of your faith, of the grace of faith that God gives us? It's about me. When I say it that way, is that, is that the right purpose? Is that what Paul is saying in our text? That the purpose of you ex- exercising faith in Jesus Christ is so that you be saved. That's the purpose. True or false? Yes or no? False. What does Paul say? For him. For the praise of the glory of his grace. So the purpose of, of your salvation, your exercise of faith, is to glorify God. That's the purpose. Now, in the process, do you get blessed with salvation? Is it the result of the purpose of God being executed in your life? Yes. But it's not the primary purpose. It's not about you. It's about God. Is that humbling? Is that hard to hear? Are we naturally self-centered? Anybody here not naturally self-centered, please raise your hand. I'd like to talk to you about that afterwards. We all are, right? What is the unholy trinity? Me, myself, and I. Okay. Paul is reorienting our minds, saying, no, it's all about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit being revealed in your life, through your life. Okay. I know for some of you, you've heard this over and over again, and I apologize, but it's important. Um, So again, did you notice in our scripture reading in Isaiah, there was a couple statements that he made in Isaiah chapter 43 that we read in our devotions beforehand. Again, I'll read them, I'll point them out to you. In Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, Are you called by his name? Has the name of God been placed upon you? Have you been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is that name on you? You called by his name, whom I created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Why has God made you? For his glory, for the revelation of himself. Again, verse 21. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Do you think Paul possibly drew from those two passages in his letter here for the praise of the glory of his grace? I think so. 
Remember that faith didn't start with you. You're not the first person that trusted in Christ, are you? Paul says in our text, we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So guess what? It's not all about you. Who is the first that trusted in Christ? Is it Paul? Is that who he's referring to? Did Paul, did Paul first trust in Christ before the Ephesians? The answer is yes, that's true. But is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about the New Testament saints? Is he talking about the apostles of the New Testament? What about Old, Old Testament believers? Did, Ab- did Abraham trust in Christ? Was he justified by faith in Christ? Paul says so in Galatians and in Romans. The basis of justification by faith is Abraham's faith in the promise. I believe Adam was saved. If you, if you want, if that you're interested in that, you can talk to me later. He heard the gospel, he believed it, and he responded. Anyways, so there were, is, is that the first to trust in Christ? Well, the answer is yes. We are not alone. There is a great train or cloud of witnesses, a multitude that can't be numbered, yet individually purchased, redeemed in Christ. We're following the great train through history of those that are redeemed, those that are saved. As Paul, as a writer to Hebrews says, we are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what is the context of that? The Hall of Faith, chapter 11. Here, in particular, the amazing thing for the audience is how the Gentiles are now united with Jewish believers. Those who have trusted beforehand are now connected with these dirty dogs called Gentiles. Anybody here a Jew? Anybody here have Jewish background? No? So the Jews looked on all of us as dogs. Did you know that? And they're not puppies. We're talking about mangy, you know, coyotes kind of thing. That's how they treated Gentiles. You're just a bunch of dogs. But now, amazingly, we are the people of God. Isn't that an amazing thought? Imagine what the Jews were seeing as they were seeing Gentiles coming to faith in Christ and got them mad. You save dogs, God? Yes. Jew and Gentile, united in Christ. Isn't that an amazing thought? For the, new first, uh, for the first century Jews, it was radical. Think of Peter going to Cornelius. He couldn't even go into his house, and yet he goes into his house, and there he, he sees that God is working in these Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they see what, he sees the same thing that happened to them in, in Pentecost, is happening with these Gentiles. And Peter says, who is I to argue with God? You know, these Gentiles are coming to faith in Christ. Who am I to stand in the way? God, you can't save the Gentiles. They're only the Jews. They're it, right? That's what's going on here. This letter is to Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus that are one in Christ, that are trusting in Christ. How? By the work of the Holy Spirit. Notice again our text. It says, You in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That Holy Spirit of promise is a reference back to Joel, 
chapter 3, the promise that Peter quotes in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. You've been sealed like us with the Holy Spirit of promise. So my third point, hang in there, we're getting there. How are we doing on time? Pretty good. All right, third, love. How can you express your appreciation to God? Number one, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. He's the guarantee. But what is the guarantee doing? Is he just it? Is he, notice I answer my own question by saying he. He's a person. Is he working? Is he working in your life now? If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, what is he doing? Is he just focusing on you? Uh, Kuiper um, wrote, uh, Abraham Kuiper wrote this way concerning the Holy Spirit. Thus, radiating from the sanctification of the redeemed, we see the work of the Spirit embracing in past ages the incarnation, the preparation of Scripture, the forming of man in the universe, and extending into the ages the Lord's return the final judgment, and the last cataclysm that shall separate heaven from hell forever. In other words, the Holy Spirit was working, is working, will be working. Okay, He is constantly working. Some people treat the Holy Spirit as having been asleep for 1,900 years and only woke up in the 1906 Welsh Revival or Aldersgate or um, Azusa Street. Is that true? Has the Holy Spirit been asleep for 1,900 years, or has he been working throughout time? I would argue from creation to second coming, new heavens and new earth. And he's working to sanctify us, but he's got more on his plate than just you and me. He's working all things. One of the things that I, I wonder, uh, in Scripture, talks about the Spirit as restraining until he's taken away. Is the spirit, in a sense, the restraint on our country? Are we seeing it being pulled back? Is that one of the reasons why things seem to be going crazy lately? I don't know. That's just speculation. So the work of the spirit is multitude, is manifold. So how do we respond? How do you respond to the presence, the power, and the work of the Holy Spirit? Number one, I've kind of mentioned already, acknowledge him. He is there with you. He is there in you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You understand that? He's working in you. He dwells in you. We are in Christ and the Spirit is in us. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, including now we are the temple. All of us together, gathered together is the temple and individually as well. Acknowledge him. Talk to him. Listen to him. You are never alone. In other words, interact with him. Some, the non-Christian would say, you're crazy. Right? Some, some people, some Christians would say, you're crazy. I'm supposed to focus on Jesus. Yeah. What does Jesus send? The Holy Spirit. And he says, when he's there, I'm there. Right? So number one, acknowledge him. Number two, as I said before, listen to him. He's called the spirit of truth. He is your personal teacher. 
Again, what struck me one time is as I'm reading the Bible and I re- hit there uh, the, that you don't need a teacher, you've got the Spirit. What hit me was, oh, wait a second, who wrote that? The Holy Spirit. Oh, you mean the Bible is God's, uh, is the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible through 40 different authors. Yeah. Oh, I have the author with me. I can ask him what he meant by this passage that I don't understand. He wrote it. Isn't that an amazing thought that I can talk to the author personally and say, you know, I'm really confused by this passage. I have no idea what you were saying here. Can you please explain it to me? Do you ever do that? I do it all the time because I don't know that much. I rely on the Spirit to help me to understand his word. Do you? Listen to him. Through the word of God, read, memorize, meditate, call to mind. That's what meditate is, right? Meditate isn't emptying your mind of everything. It's filling your mind with the word of God. That's what Psalm 1 is talking about. His delight is in the, in the instruction of the Lord, the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He ruminates, he uh, mutters, is literally in the Hebrew he, he mutters back to himself the word. He speaks it out loud. Do you do that? Do you, do you speak back God's word to yourself like a cow chewing its cud, right, seven times? Listen to him. Thirdly, let him deal with your sin and idols. He is the paracletus. He's the helper. And I have a lot of scriptures for that. God's, uh, Jesus says that he's sent into the world to convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment. He's holy. What does he want you to be? Holy. Does our text say so? Yes. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Does the Holy Spirit want you to be holy like himself? Be ye holy as I am holy. Is that in the Bible? Does he desire to have you being changed to be more like Jesus, who is holy? Let him deal with your sins. He says, walk in love. Do not grieve him. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, which we'll cover in the future, 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Love him. Remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In conclusion, some people really like it when I say those words. In conclusion, again reading Kuiper, How are the multitude of the elect to attain their final perfection? The answer to this will indicate what is the Holy Spirit's action upon all other creatures. The answer cannot be doubtful. God's children can never accomplish their glorious end unless God dwell in them as in his temple. It is the love of God that constrains him to live in his children by by their love for him to love himself, and to see the reflection of his glory and the consciousness of his own handiwork. 
This glorious purpose will be realized only when the elect know that they are known. Behold their God face to face and enjoy the intense happiness of close communion with the Lord. We cannot attain our highest destiny unless the Holy Spirit dwell in us and operate upon the inward organs, organisms of our being. He's working. Is he working in you? Do you say thank you? How often do you say thank you? Catechism says how I'm to be say thank you to God for such redemption. One of the ways is by acknowledging Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for this portion of your holy word. Thank you for the reminder that we have, we live and move and have our being dwelling in Christ and in the Spirit. And we are called to walk in the Spirit and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would enable us to overcome, to battle as you have called us to, that work of sanctification, that the Spirit is working in us, but yet you call us also to fight. And so we ask, O oh Lord, for your grace we would be able to, as was said, to acknowledge and thank him, but also to commune with him and to trust him and to look for his guidance. We pray that you'd enable us to walk in the Spirit. We ask for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen.